Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Well, hello there and welcome to another edition of the podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, serving you throughout Kansas City with an office in Overland Park. You can find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. David, great to be with you this week. How you been? Pretty good, Walter. You know, I, I am working through a little um, personal problem at home. I'm hopeful maybe you can help me with today before oh, we get started. Should I on pause the, the recording or, or let it roll through this? <laughs> well, <laughs> let's let it roll and see what happens. All right. So, so this past weekend was Halloween, and I was in charge of buying the candy. And uh, I thought, well, what are the chances? We probably have a hundred kids come by. And as chance would have it, we had like 27 kids come by. Oh. So I have literally a mountain of candy bars and just stuff at home. And the, and the real, the big problem is, it's not a problem for Linda. The problem is for me, because I have this really severe sweet tooth. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do with all this candy, but I can't bring myself to just throw it out. <laughs> What happens if you bring it to the office? Because then you can still partake <laughs> a little bit, but spread spread at least some of it away from yourself to the rest of the office. See, then I'd have it in front of me all day and all <laughs> now night. Now it's in front of you for eight hours instead of just a little bit, right? <laughs> Whereas if I just leave it at home, I just have to see it after, you know, 5.30. So I don't know, Walter. It's a, it's a very big dilemma. Maybe, maybe I should, I don't know what I should do, but if you come up with any brilliant ideas, you should let me know. Oh boy, that is, um, as someone who has uh, spent this whole uh, second half of the year losing weight and being on a diet and sticking to it and nice. exercising, I, I've really built up my willpower. So I just, I don't know what to tell you if you're, if That's you can't it. handle willpower. That's what I need. <laughs> As uh, all the way through my dieting this year, I have left a bag of my, my, my arch nemesis and my beloved Oreos. I have <laughs> left a bag of double stuffed Oreos sitting right there in the pantry so it can stare at me to test really? my willpower level daily. Uh, that and, would not work for me. So far, have not dug. I mean, they're probably stale now, but uh, have not. So they have into one them. of those little tearaway uh, uh, openers. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's, I it'd love be those very things. easy. It'd be very yeah, easy. Exactly. That if I ever open those, those are my red flags. So if I ever open those, that's my red flag that I uh, my willpower has broken down and I need some help. <laughs> that's my go-to cookie. Oh, except I, uh, I kind of like the uh, I kind of like the vanilla ones the best. So not the standard white, but actual vanilla flavor. <laughs> or or, the, no, or is got... <laughs> it like the the cookie part is brown, like vanilla? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it's a white frosting. Yeah, really. The okay. Inside. Huh. I but, pretty you know, much to each his own, I guess. Standard, unless yeah. the mint ones, the mint Oreos are just fantastic. Those are fantastic. Or the Christmas ones with the red interiors. I haven't, I don't know if I've tried those. They're oh, probably buddy. just as good. Yeah. yeah. Stay away uh, from I heard those. that there is a coffee Oreo out there, and as a fan of all things coffee flavored, I need to wow. find them, but I've never oh. seen it in the store, but I've heard they exist. I don't really get into the cookie aisle anymore, so I wouldn't know if they existed, but now that you've brought it up. You're going you're gonna to go looking for it, aren't you? <laughs> I, I hope I can, not. I can hear you making a note for yourself the next yeah, time you're in the grocery I store. I got a lot of Halloween candy to work through before <laughs> I do that. 
Well, uh, but we anyway. should probably stop talking about Oreos and talk finance we, at some point. We digress. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, we have a good show today. We're going to be talking about uh, late bloomers in terms of retirement planning and some of the opportunities that are out there for those of you who, oh, I don't know, maybe you're close to retirement and you think, you know what, maybe I don't have enough money saved. I've done a good job saving for retirement, but maybe I'm not quite where I need to be. We're going to look at some reasons why that news may not be as bad as you think. And uh, part of that is because the government and the decision makers out there have given us some extra opportunities and also just reality presents some opportunities for us as we get a little bit closer to retirement, uh, play a little catch up and uh, give you some opportunities if you're just a little bit behind the game. Before we dive into these particular strategies, David, do you have people that come in that are uh, pretty often in this situation where they've done a good job, just not quite, you know, 100% ready or the way there for retirement? I do, probably less than half half the time. Frankly, I, I see a lot of people that have been super diligent from early days. But this is the these are the people that that really they come in a little bit stressed because they're pretty sure they're behind. A lot of times they are, and so so these things we're going to talk about today are can be super helpful if you just put a little bit of effort behind these things. Uh, they can push you to where you want to be by 65 or 67 or whatever your date is. So we've got a list of five opportunities or five questions uh, to explore for you late bloomers out there. And the first and obvious one, I think, David, is uh, those catch-up contributions. This is where specifically they've made some extra rules so we can save a little more, right? Yeah, so that happens when you turn 50. So anybody over 50 can make these. And frankly, statistically speaking, 50 and over are your peak earning years. Now, they can also put you in the, um, the position of being most likely to be sent home with uh, maybe getting fired or getting reduction enforced out of your company. So there's, there's certainly risk, more risk uh, when you're over 50. But in these cases, especially with your retirement accounts and your HSA, your health savings account, you do get an opportunity to invest extra money just because you're over 50. So for instance, let's say you don't have a 401k at work, uh, but you do use an IRA. You can now, not now, it's been a, this way for a while, but instead of the $6,000 a year that you can put into your IRA, you can put an extra $1,000, so seven grand. Whether your spouse works or not, maybe your spouse stays at home. Uh, that spouse, you can also do 7,000 for that person as long as they're over 50 years old. If you happen to be working and you have a 401k, well, you probably know that pre-50, you can put up to 19500 bucks away every year, tax-deferred in your 401k. But once you turn 50, they allow you to put an extra $6,500 a year, all the way up to twenty six grand a year, into your 401k. Now, that's super unlikely to be matched by your employer, but it is a... Super nice turbocharge if you're feeling a little bit behind on your savings, your retirement savings, to get it a lot closer to where you want to be by the time you retire. So, uh, and then uh, the HSA, it's a little bit outside of the scope of what we normally talk about, but there's also a kicker on that once you're over 50. So, there are some opportunities to turbocharge your, your uh, savings, what you're feathering your own nest with once you turn 50. 
Very good. Helpful to have that there. So first opportunity, look for those catch-up contributions over 50. Number two is, um, you know, you may feel like you're, you're really having to pinch pennies as you get to around that same age, perhaps. But just look a few years in advance. And one situation people find themselves in is, you know what? Kids are coming off the payroll. And that can actually add up a lot faster than most people think. That can add up really fast, especially if, if your family is paying out for tuition or you know things like cell phones or car insurance or even health insurance where your kids might stay on your plan until they're 26, which didn't used to be allowable, but, but is now. Um, so, so once they're fully dependent, it's amazing how much extra money there is left over at the end of each month. So uh, one big risk, and I do see this more often than you might think, is that parents are reluctant to <laughs> let their kids become independent. And a lot of times they think they're doing that, that kid a favor. And I guess sometimes they are, but more times than not, they kind of have a, um, they kind of create a dependency. So it's not particularly good for the, for the parents' retirement accounts. And it's probably, I'm no, I'm no licensed family counselor, but it's probably not good for the kid either. So to have that independence break once somebody gets out of college, or I have clients who didn't pay any tuition for their kids in college. So whatever that looks like in your household, having kids that come off the payroll, that become independent, can, again, turbocharge your retirement savings. Very helpful. And uh, again, that's kind of where we're reminded where you can have more money going in, but you can also reduce the amount of money going out of your pocket to kind of get to the same place. Like all those dollars start to become equal at some point in terms of the math and the equations that get us to and through retirement. So that's how we can look on both sides of the fence here. And by the same token, David, eliminating things that are kind of going out of our pocket, uh, a lot of people start having a lot less debt or should I say more debt coming off the books or off the ledger when they get uh, you know kind of close to retirement as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and th- that debt usually takes on uh, three different forms. Hopefully not credit card debt, but sometimes I still see credit card debt. And that, as I've described in previous podcasts, I think of that as rust on your car or maybe termites in your house. Credit card debt eats away at your financial well-being and your financial net worth. So whether you are listening to this podcast and you're in your 20s or 30s or 50s, I hate to do absolutes, but there's no good reason why you should have credit card debt, especially if it's in the 12 to 15 to 22% interest rate. So credit cards need to go away. You can use them. You just got to pay them off every month. And and so that debt definitely needs to disappear. Hopefully you don't carry too much of an automobile debt into retirement. Um, if you think, well, I'd like to have a, I want to have a nice car when I retire, then do that a couple of years before you retire while you're still working. It won't seem like such a burden. And hopefully that's a car loan at zero or one or two or two and a half percent. And that's perfectly fine. What you prefer not to do is buy a car that is significantly over your means and then pay it off over six years uh, at a fairly hefty monthly amount. And then mortgages. You know, I, I work through this topic with a lot of my clients who are getting close to retirement or sometimes in retirement and they still have a mortgage. And so the exercise that I send them through, a lot of times on a whiteboard in my office, we break down their monthly payment into four pieces. 
So if this is you and you're thinking about this in your car as you're listening to us, don't grab a piece of paper. But when you get home, write these four things down. Look at your last statement from your mortgage company, and it'll show on there how much of your last payment went to principal, how much went to interest, how much went to taxes, and how much went to insurance. And so the discussion I have with my clients is, if they're in a rush to get rid of their mortgage before they retire, and there may be five years left on their mortgage, there is very little every month that is going to interest at that point in your mortgage. It's mostly principal that you're basically paying to yourself in the form of home equity and taxes and insurance. Well, once your mortgage is gone, you're still going to have real estate taxes and you're still going to have to insure the place. So that's not going away. The principal that you wouldn't be paying every month has merely gone from your bank account into your home equity account or maybe your investment account into your home equity account. So you're not really saving that either. The only thing you're really saving by getting rid of that mortgage payment is the interest that you're paying and the emotion you have involved in writing that check every month. So when you look at this and you say, I really want to get rid of my mortgage before retirement, what you're really getting rid of is the interest payment. Look at that and make sure that you feel really good about accelerating that mortgage payment uh, just to get rid of the interest. You might, you might not, but make sure it's a conscious decision on your part. Conscious decision. And that could, we could apply that to all of these things, right? Make sure it's a <laughs> conscious decision. Uh, but it, yes. it's important because a lot of people do things in the financial world subconsciously or unconsciously, I suppose. Yeah, we make a lot of emotional decisions through, throughout all parts of our life. But or, really, or letting especially slip through the cracks, you know. In, yeah. So, you know, don't let your finances get overwhelmed by your emotions. I've got a great example I can pick on myself here, David. Um, I went to uh, go and, and select uh, through my wife's work, you know, open enrollment um, going on for many people or, or just ended for some folks and, and whatnot for, you know, healthcare decisions and whatnot for next year. And um, I meant to review that and I had it on my calendar, but just got busy and didn't elevate it in the priority level enough. And I went this morning to go, you know, kind of check in and say, okay, I need to finally make these decisions and, you know, talk about this and make it happen. And oops, it ended last Friday. (laughs) Well, missed the boat. Good thing we didn't need to make any major changes. But uh, yeah, sometimes life gets busy and you let things slip through. And I subconsciously uh, went ahead and made those decisions for next year. (laughs) Luckily, that's a decision that can be uh, redone every year, you know. Yes, for sure. But uh, in in any event, uh, no, no harm, no foul. But it's a good example of how things can slip right by us. All right, something else that happens when we get a little bit older or closer to retirement. So if you're a retirement late bloomer, one option that can free up money and reduce your burden for the rest of your life in many ways is to downsize your home. A lot of opportunity in that decision. There is a lot of opportunity. I I, I will say I got kind of a wake-up call about six or seven years from a really good friend of ours who uh, they sold their house and they were almost retired, but they thought this is going to be sweet because we are going to move into a smaller place and save a bunch of money. And uh, what Tony told me was, Dave, there's a difference between downsizing and right-sizing. And at that point, I really didn't understand what he was talking about, but now I do as we're starting to look around for other places. And the difference is that if you downsize, you're truly getting a smaller footprint 
maybe half the amount of house you used to have when you're raising kids and you are likely to save some money. In fact, what you're likely to do is buy that house for cash and have some money left over. But what Tony opened my eyes to was the term right sizing. And what that meant was that they got a home a little bit smaller than what they had, but it had all the cool electronics and the it was really dressed out with all the cool granite or whatever it is now that we put into, and the, everything was upgraded. And what Tony said is, well, Dave, <laughs> you're going to spend the same amount on a smaller house if you're not careful. So the downsizing panacea can be just that. If you're not careful, you might end up with a smaller house and no real savings, which is fine. That just depends on what your financial situation is. But as you're looking into downsizing and really trying to save some money, uh, you just want to make sure that you don't get caught up in the in all the new cool stuff that's in a new house and you don't end up truly downsizing your uh, financial lifestyle. That would be the goal of this if, if you're a late bloomer or you're getting ready to retire. Typically, the goal is to come up with some cost savings there. So, you know, there's plenty of choices to be made as we get closer to retirement, and this is certainly one of them. All right. Last but not least, one more point, uh, number five for late bloomers getting ready for retirement. And this is becoming more and more common, I think. At least it's it's talked about nationally as a more common thing. I'm wondering if you see this in practice in your office, David, uh, people picking up kind of a, a twilight career, and that creates a lot of flexibility and opportunity. I do see this a lot. Sometimes people uh, do some, maybe some consulting work or pick up some part-time work in the career that they spent a lifetime doing. But I see other people that still want to be productive, still want to bring home some money, whether they need it or not. They just want to, to do that. Or they want to get up three days a week and have a place to go that makes them feel good. And a lot of times that's in something that is totally different than the career that they, that they built their retirement savings on. Either way, I think it's really important when you have two or three or five years before retirement to give this some some thought and think through, is that something that I would enjoy doing? At that point, you're not working for a living. You're, you're working because it's optional. And that's a really good thing for a lot of people. So um, there are opportunities out there to do that. And as you're getting closer to retirement, if you can build that in, maybe with your current employer, maybe with something totally different. But work that into your plan. Give it some real thought. Talk it over with your spouse if you have one and make sure that it fits the family plan. But that can be a fantastic way to fulfill you emotionally and put a little extra money in the, in the bank while you're getting started in retirement. This is huge. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, when you start to see any of these things on their own, David, I mean, moves the needle a little bit, but nothing maybe that's earth shattering. But when you start combining a couple of these different opportunities and factors, you can see how it goes from what you described as the more common conversation in your office, not being, ooh, you're not quite ready for retirement, how quickly it can be flipped to, yeah, you're, you're just about all set for retirement. You're in a better situation than you thought you were. And that's a nice conversation I'm sure you enjoy having every time. It is. And it's um, it really empowers people to realize okay, I don't have to keep doing what I've been doing the way I've been doing it for 20 or 30 or 40 years. I've had some changes, whether it's kids or you know, opportunities to downsize or to work in retirement. Those are all opportunities that you get to choose from. 
And so take the opportunity to think through them and, and make some choices that are going to be good for you. It, it can really make a big difference for you in your retirement. If you've got questions for David Dickens and the team at KC Financial Advisors about anything we've talked about on today's show or a previous show or anything related to the financial and retirement world, please reach out. Don't hesitate. You can call very easily at 913-317-1414 to get in touch. 913-317-1414 or go online to CoverYourAssetsKC.com. That's CoverYourAssetsKC.com. Or just check the show notes of today's show for appropriate links and contact info. David, thanks for the guidance and the help. Uh, Great to know that for those who are approaching retirement, more and more options and opportunities become available. And uh, hopefully folks are looking to take advantage of those. We all love to have the options. And uh, maybe we'll talk over a few more of them next week. You got it. We'll have another great show available for you next time, right back here on the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Until then, thanks for listening and have a good one. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other. For full disclosures, please visit our website at www.coveryourassetskc.com.